Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan with Chris Parliament today discussing our breakdown of the Eastern Conference play-in series. We'll give you some storylines to watch for in all four of the Eastern series matchups and discuss which of the top four seeds, the round-robin teams, have the biggest advantage. We've also got some Sens news to get to. That's right. Another Senator has been nominated for an award. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, July 28th. We will have NHL hockey tonight. But more importantly, an Ottawa Senator has been nominated for an award. Well, every team gets a nominee. But the Senators nominee for the King Clancy Award is Brady Kachuk. I'm going to go ahead and say future captain Brady Kachuk. How do you like that one? Oh, that just sounds great. It is an award that's based off of leadership, which, funny enough, Yesterday's episode with Dave Poulin, he's another winner of the King Clancy Award. So it's humanitarian on and off the ice. And some could make an, an argument for Mark Borowiecki, sure. But that's not to take away anything of Brady Kachuk. It's not. And this is a guy that really does. He just goes out and he leads. It's, you know, when Ottawa went on that run with Guy Boucher as the head coach and Eric Carlson. The entire team was built around the way Eric Carlson played. He wore the C, was the de facto leader, obviously, in play on the ice, consistency, talent, say in the room, everything. That was Eric Carlson for that team. I think it's pretty easy to say that right now DJ Smith has built this team around the way Brady Kachuk plays the game. And isn't it something to see Brady Kachuk's name come up in the news cycle the day before playoff hockey starts? It's like, oh man, this guy is built for this time of year. So we know he'll get there one day. And we asked, Pooley said that it's just a matter of time before the Sens rebuild, as long as it stays on this track, gets to playoff hockey. But Parley, as we've mentioned before, we're going to turn into a bit more of a playoff hockey podcast we want to talk about what's going on on the ice as as much as we will incorporate it into sends twitter sphere we've got the sends abroad going all that fun stuff but now we've got to get into some questions surrounding all the teams in the play and first we'll round up the teams that don't have the pressure on them at least at the start that's the washington capitals the philadelphia flyers i think a little bit of a surprise there maybe the tampa bay lightning and the Boston Bruins. So out of those four teams, Parley, who do you think is the favorite in the East? I think you got to go with Washington just because, you know, they've got the guys that can put the puck in the net. They were experienced. They've won a cup. They're all hungry. And I think the big name on that team right now is John Carlson. What an unbelievable season he had. I mean, don't get me wrong. Boston can put pretty much four lines out there and compete, but... I don't know. I think it's Washington just because that team, they know what it takes to win. Hey, talk about um, a little fire under them too. Braden Holtby in a contract year. He's playing for his next ticket. And you know that means something. Whereas a guy like Andre Vasilevsky, although he's in the last year of a contract, he's already locked up long term after that. But as much as the Lightning can score, that guy can keep the puck out of the net as well. I think Philly's probably the wild card in all this because... You can say that of the four teams, maybe they have the less, the least amount of pure talent or playoff experience, if you will. 
But don't you think that is the most playoff-style-oriented team? Especially Coach Vino in his first year there, brought up for the Jack Adams as one of the finalists. I think that's a team to really watch for, too. It for sure is. They ended so hot before all this quarantine started and hockey ceased to be played. But, uh, I mean, you said they don't maybe have the most amount of pure talent, but I think they have the most amount of pure swagger. That team, when they get going, I mean, Kevin Hayes, I don't want to talk money and what guys are worth because you just got to be happy to see a guy get paid at this point. But, I mean, wow, he, he just was the perfect fit in that room, just injected some energy that you know guys like Claude Giroux and Jakob Voracek are just huge on. So I think that team's uh, one of those teams that likes to have fun, and you mentioned them. A.V. Lane Vigneault behind the bench. I think he's one of those guys that realizes late in his coaching career, you just got to let the boys play. How about 22-year-old former captain of the Ottawa 67s, Travis Connecting, leading sure. that team in points over the season. 61 points for the kid. That's unbelievable. 24 goals for him, also a team high. And that's not even to mention Sean Couturier, potentially the best two-way forward in the Eastern Conference. Um, I mean, with all due respect to Patrice Bergeron, who's still getting easy. up there in age. <laughs> well, you see that? Like nine nominations for the Selkie for, for Bergeron. That's just insane. And um, yeah, I think just depth-wise, you know, JVR can, can make an impact whenever. I think another wild card in, in a team full of them is Ivan Provorov. What are you going to get sure. out of him on the back end, right? A guy who can shoot the puck, 13 goals. Um, I believe second most. Maybe third. I know that uh, Zach Rensky had 20, uh, which is another storyline. I think Columbus is decor offensively. But um, actually, you know what? I think with that, we should transition a little bit into the series that will actually go on. Of course, we'll break down these four teams a little bit more once they have meaningful or should I say elimination games on the horizon, which these teams already have that we're about to get to. So since we mentioned Carol or Columbus and their defense, their defense is the most experienced part of their team. And that's to saying something because Zach Wrensky and Seth Jones are both just 25 years old. Up front, they have six rookies in their top 12. Do you think that's going to be a little bit of the issue when it comes to playing against a team with so much firepower like the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, I think it is going to be an issue just because, uh, you know, they're going to be wide-eyed. You know, Torts is going to have them going. But it's pace of play over 60 minutes. I'm not sure they're quite ready there for it. Uh, six, I mean, six rookies is just so many. And it, it's it's hard to believe that they're going up against, we're talking about guys that are going to have all the NHL experience and guys that are younger than us, even Ross, in Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and these types of players. But you know what? They've got a lot of miles on those young legs early in their career. This Columbus team can't really say the same, but you mentioned their defense there, and I want to go back to that. I think Seth Jones could be an absolute weapon in this series. He's and, one of uh, those guys who wouldn't have played if, if there wasn't this long pause. He had a fractured ankle, so getting him back is huge. And you know he's going to be fired up. And you know what? It almost seems like guys that come off of injury, they – they haven't had that wear and tear. I mean, obviously, everybody sat for a while, but think about how in shape he's going to be fighting back from that injury and then just not having to play on it when it's maybe not 100%. He's going to be coming out. He's going to be hungry because he knows he wouldn't have a shot on it in other circumstances. And I want to talk about Zach Wierenski, too, because this is one of those guys, he just said he's not the oldest type of guy, but he's definitely got the most experience on that team in situations like this. This guy came out of college, immediate went immediately went to the AHL 
and played like 26 minutes yep. in the playoffs. Like he's just he, he's a born real. pro. He's a born pro. You know what I so, mean? So how about up front though? Because we know that those are solid, that, that they're going to be there on every given shift. Just like on the Leafs and Morgan Riley, each team has that one defenseman. I guess you could argue Columbus has two. But where I'm really intrigued by is not only the the rookies that are playing at forward, but two of them are in the top six. Liam Foudy, a 19-year-old, or just turned 20, but 19, 20-year-old, has two NHL games under his belt, and he's on a line with the captain, sends abroad Nick Foligno and Boone Jenner as well, and then Alex Texier, the Frenchman, on a line with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Oliver Bjorkstrand. Like, Could the moment not be too big for these guys? Or is it a situation where because you have some veteran guys a little lower in the lineup, I'm looking at Gustav Nyquist and Cam Atkinson, that they can shift things around as they need to. Hey, fun fact for you too, Parley. Uh, Sheldon Keefe, Leafs' new bench boss, was actually a former player under John Tortorella in Tampa Bay. Wow, eh? Man, how... Uh... It's crazy how there's so many links when it comes to the NHL. It's the, it's one of those leagues where it's the biggest small league in the world because it seems like everybody's played with or coached with or something together. But yeah, you talk about these guys, just because they're young doesn't mean they can't compete. And when you're getting thrown into a series like this where it's going to be you got to compete early and often, I mean, Liam Foody can absolutely fly. And he'll be able to go forever. You talk about having a little more veteran experience. This is the type of guy that can play 20 minutes a night at a high clip where maybe a guy like Cam, Cam Atkinson maybe can't do it anymore. Well, they might want to rely on these kids for scoring. And, I mean, Dubois, only 21 years old, but he led mm-hmm. the Columbus team in scoring with 49 points. Get this, Parley. There's only six teams without a player scoring 50 points this season. Only two of them made it to the return to play. Columbus and Arizona's top scorer had 45 points. So they're going to need some offense from somewhere. That won't be a problem with Toronto. But something here, and I know I want to get back to you as well to finish your thought on Fowdy, but the Leafs have a young kid in their lineup too, Nick Robertson, another 19-year-old. So could this be a situation where those guys might be the X factors? Yeah, I mean, it could be whoever's youth prevails, you know. Uh, these young guys can come into it. And I mentioned a little bit early, but you're wide-eyed. But also, there's an old saying, ignorance is bliss. What you don't know can't hurt you. And if these guys don't know what the rigors are of playoff hockey and they're going in with those nerves, they're just excited to get out there and play, which I know all of these guys will be. I think it's going to be interesting to see how these young guys, maybe they're the ones out there in the best shape. It wasn't Liam Foody I wanted to get back to, Ross. It was Pierre-Luc Dubois. And a lot of people forget it went Austin Matthews, Patrick Laine, Pierre-Luc Dubois. If it wasn't behind those two generational talents, maybe that's a little high regard for Patrick Laine now. He'd have been right up there in the conversation for number one that year. Maybe he would have been a Leaf if Austin oh Matthews God. never worked out. But uh, yeah, he's got something to prove here too, and he's a hell of a player. So um, a matchup between two of the youngest teams. Columbus is the youngest in the return to play. The Leafs, the fifth youngest. And now I want to get to something we already talked with Pooley, but I want to get your take on it, Chris. And that is, who is the goalie for the Rangers? Like, you look at Sesterk and he took over the net, 10-2 and record. Even Georgiev, I think that they'd be confident with him. But you got to think it's between Sesterkin and Lundqvist. And Lundqvist, getting up there in age, statistically, not the best season. He looked great, by the way, getting off the plane. Wow. you got to find that picture on Twitter. <laughs> um, and also, he was 3-0 and against Carolina this season. Do you go with the veteran on a short leash, a sign of respect? Or did Sesterkin do enough for you throughout the season that it's his net now? 
I think it's Shishterkin's net to lose, and I think that he hasn't earned enough to not have the shortest leash in hockey right now. So I think you go with Shishterkin, and if anything goes wrong, it's Hank game two. And you know what? If not a lot goes right, I think it's going to be Hank in game two. I think that we might see both. I think we're going to see multiple goalies in multiple series, and we're going to touch on that in one of the episodes right before the uh, in our prediction right before the puck drops on Saturday. Um, I'm talking Carolina now because they are one of the two teams that said "nah" when this whole thing was formatted. And hmm, I wonder if that 0-4 record against the Rangers was the main reason for that. Is it really Peter Mrazek or bust here? Like, talk about seeing two goalies. Could we see James Reimer in this series as well? What a blast from the past that would be. Uh, I mean, they're definitely a team that doesn't want to see the Rangers. I think he's just happy he's not seeing the Bruins. Boom. Sense podcast. I love it. <laughs> no, we got to keep that going throughout. Um, and, okay, Sens podcast. Do I have to transition to the Pittsburgh Penguins now? Frig. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, are they the biggest favorite in the East? That might be true. I mean, I hate this series so much. Pittsburgh, Montreal. I know. Me too. I just hope it's just like uneventful and nothing really happens. And then whoever wins, it's quick out of the next round. But I mean, it does bring back good memories because do you remember when the Senators beat the Montreal Canadiens in more ways than one? All five fights in the line brawl and then went on and took on the Penguins. I don't want to talk about what happened afterwards. But uh, yeah, this is the uh, less than fun matchup for Sens to watch. You know what? I don't even want to talk about it. I will actually ask you a similar question the Rangers with Pittsburgh. Is it Matt Murray or is it Tristan Jari that we should expect to see between the pipes? I think it's Matt Murray just because he's been there, done that. This was one of those rare occasions where uh, he was a rookie and had two cup rings. So I think you got to go with him. Yeah, the experience will prevail. And I wouldn't be surprised again if we see multiple goalies in this series. Pittsburgh, another team getting a big boost back in Jake Gensel. Remember, they went out and got Jason Zucker to replace that spot in the lineup. I don't think they ever thought that both would be available going into this year's postseason. So some extra weapons for we know the talent down the middle with Sid and Evgeny Malkin, um, which I think will be too much for Montreal. So good. Almost as good as this next series we're going to discuss, and that is of the utmost importance to Sens fans. And no, I'm not saying it because there's a Sens abroad on each team and actually two on one of them. I'm talking about the draft pick that may be 13th overall if the Florida Panthers can prevail against the New York Islanders. Um, We're going to get into our predictions of each of these series right at the end of this show. So we're going to break it down just like we've been breaking down the others. And my question for you with the New York Islanders is, is adding Pajot going to give them enough offense? Seems funny to say as Sens fans, we know that Pajot maybe overachieved offensively given that expanded role this season, but they're going to rely on him for offense. They only had 220 goal scores. They don't do well in the power play. How are they going to get enough offense to compete against the high-flying Panthers offense that is sixth in goals for this year? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Obviously, we did, as you mentioned, saw J.G. Pajot blow up offensively this year. But it's funny that you mentioned the power play because I think that's somewhere he can help out a lot because he's going to be a player that finds the open pass and does it. 
You know what I mean? He's not going to take the situation too far. He's not going to hold on to the puck too long. I think he's a simple player that's going to help out guys like a Matty Barzell, put him in an open space to pull the trigger. I think overall he's going to help the power play. And sad to say for a guy that obviously Senators fans like so much, but if he isn't able to do that, I don't think they're going to overtake the Panthers. The Panthers' top power play unit all had between 22 and 17 points. Matt Barzell had the most power play points on the Islanders with 12. So if special teams is going to be the the be-all, end-all in this series, and we do see it often in playoffs that that's what it comes down to, goaltending and special teams. It's not rocket science, and you can tell just from our previews, we keep going back to goaltending. And sure, it might be a little redundant, but it's the most important position. I would argue right up there with quarterback and football and catcher and baseball as the most important positions in any sport. So with that being said, would the real Sergei Bobrovsky please stand up? Are we going to get the one that swept Tampa last year or the one who had a 4-12 and career playoff record before that and frankly, who wasn't very good in his first year in a monster ticket in Florida? Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because that... I mean, there's some big names on that blue line, but I also think that uh, the Islanders are going to allow probably less shots per game. These guys play so well. They kind of call it the no-name blue line over there, but they all just play each of their games so well. And Lou Amarello, it's such a him team, just blue collar. Uh, bad pun on a team that sometimes wears blue collars, but they definitely work hard, and that was kind of their claim to fame all season long. So I think that uh, maybe if the Panthers kind of get thrown back on their heels a little bit here and they're forced to play defense if the Islanders just keep coming in waves because they are a deep team. You have to give respect where respect is due. Uh, I think they're a a team that can come at you where head coach can look at you and say, hey, here's three lines and we're going to roll for a long time. Guess what? Our fourth is going to compete too. So I think that they're a team that can survive for 60 minutes, but if it does come down to goaltending, (laughs) I don't know who to tip my cap to here. I'm very intrigued in this series based on the schedule so florida and the islanders they play on the first day on saturday but then they have two full days off and then they go back to back so in any series you would get adjustments after game one but parley is this the best coaching matchup head-to-head joel quenville second all-time in coaching games barry trotts fourth it certainly, I think, is the most intriguing behind the bench. It's two good minds going at it. The only thing that I don't really love about it is Joel Quenville has such a limited time behind that bench. I know, I mean, he's had the time and since quarantine started to kind of uh, mold a game plan and see what's happening and what he's going to do with each of his players. I just think that... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's had enough time behind the bench to really kind of solidify his role back there and understand how to game plan this team the best. And I think it's going to be interesting to see. But uh, I mean, in former years, if he would have had more time behind the bench like he did for so long with the superstars in Chicago, he might have had a better grasp on it, been able to mold the game he wanted it to be able to play. But uh, I don't. I don't know if that's going to be enough time for him to be able to have that kind of effect on the series. I think this one's going to be more kind of. Uh, on the ice than behind the bench sort of thing. Well, what he did do, and while they, as an organization, Dale Talon, someone he's very familiar with too from their time in Chicago, is they added more pieces of experience. They added Anton Strallman on the back end, who was with Tampa when they went to the cup final in 15, was with the Rangers when they went to the cup final in 14, a reliable defensive defenseman, much needed on a team like Florida with the high-flying offense. 
They also added Brian Boyle, who was on that 14 um, Rangers team and was on, also on the, on the Lightning. So those two have followed each other around uh, the National League, and they also added Brett Connolly, 2018 Stanley Cup champion with the Washington Capitals. So they have that, but they also have a senator. So which of the Sens abroad in this series will have the biggest impact, Parley? Is it going to be Mike Hoffman in Florida? Is it going to be Pajot or Derek Broussard? Two guys are actually playing on the same line right now on the island. I think uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to be shocked if I kind of take Derek Broussard out of this conversation right away here. But I think it's going to be Mike Hoffman and JG Pajot going head to head in the special teams because we all the, know Mike. Those two, I mean, in the 2017 playoff run, just human highlight reels. Like Absolutely. the Pajot four goal game, the the Hoffman Forsberg. How about? I'm liable to go Michael, take your pick. <laughs> I was going to pull out a line there from Guy Boucher and just say, four goals, man, that's sick. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be this head-to-head matchup. And we mentioned how J.G. Pajot may be able to help out the power play this year because we saw him kind of quarterbacking from the, the below the dots in a corner sort of thing this year, whereas Mike Hoffman's obviously the blast from the point, getting Keith Yandel no-look passes. But uh, I think whoever's able to control the special teams well, but I think it's J.G. Pajot on the shorthanded side, and I think if that face-off percentage is up, which is going to be tough against a guy like Barkov, I think that if he's able to control the dots in that series, he might have a bigger impact than Hoffman, the trigger man. Okay, Parley, now we got to put you on the spot, and then I'll return in kind, because I can't have you being the only one putting your neck out there for series predictions. Let's get our least favorite one out of the way. Penguins, Canadians, who you got? Penguins, I think experience and the addition of Jake Gensel and Jason Zucker. They're both kind of additions here. They're both huge. I think they both have experience. I'm a big Jason Zucker fan. So, I mean, if I have something to cheer for here, sure, Penguins. Give uh, give me a games, too. Ooh. Uh, I think it's a clean sweep. Okay. I'll say Pittsburgh in four. So, official prediction, Parley, Pittsburgh in three. Me, Pittsburgh in four. Okay, probably the one I'm most intrigued by, I will admit, I will be keeping an eye, of course, on the Islanders with their pick, but Rangers, Hurricanes. I think we'd be remiss, too, if we didn't mention Sens Abroad, Mika Zibanejad, who was on pace for just a monster year in the goal yeah, category. Yeah, goals. Yeah, so I think, I mean, we talked about how Pittsburgh would be able to kind of outmatch Canadians in the offensive category. I think Mika Zibanejad and uh, Tammy Pernarin, they're just... I mean, the names are bigger, you know what I mean, on uh, the Carolina names, and I think they're just more ready for the spotlight. Uh, I just think, I mean, it's a good problem to have. If You, have you want to hear something goals. sad? You want to hear something sad about DJ Z-Bad? So with the Sens, <laughs> he had 151 points, right, during five years. Just sure. over the last two seasons on Broadway, he has 149 points. Ugh. I mean, there's so many what-ifs with this organization. So what's what's your prediction here? Uh, I'm going to go Rangers in four because I think Carolina is just that scrappy team and that blue line's still damn good. Follow up question of those four of those four games, how many of those will hang Henrik Lundqvist be in the net for? I almost want to guarantee it. I'm not a gambling man. I'm not Ross Levitan, but I almost would put money down on Henrik Lundqvist getting game two no matter what. Okay, I like that. Now let's uh, go to the home team in the hub in the Eastern Conference, the Toronto Maple Leafs taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think this one's uh, this one's advantage, Toronto. Uh, I, I would give the blue line in Columbus the advantage in the series. 
but I just think that the advantage is so much greater for Toronto on the offensive side. And uh, there's a lot going on in that crease in Columbus. And I think that uh, they have the Lego man in Toronto, Freddie Anderson, that's just kind of been their uh, their backbone for the last couple of years. So I think two advantages outweigh one pretty obviously. So I, th- I think it's Toronto. But I got a lot of respect for Torts. So I'm going to make it a four-game series. Four games? Okay. I'm going to go Toronto in a clean sweep in this one. I think that their offense is going to come out flying. I think that across the National Hockey League, we're going to see higher scoring games at the start, and that benefits the Maple Leafs more than I think any other team in the league, maybe the Panthers as well. But I'm going to go Toronto in three, and I think I ducked out of the last one. I'm going to say Rangers in five. I think it's going to be a tight series. I think that Carolina is never going to quit with Rod Brendamore behind the bench. And it's going to be close, but I think that uh, the Rangers prevail in that one. So um, with that said, um, tell me about the Sens pick. Where's it going to end up? Are the Islanders moving on to the round of 16, or is it um, one and done for them? I'm all positives for Sens, man. I think it's one and done for the Islanders. They don't have the offense to keep up with them. I mean, their defense is good. I mentioned how blue-collar they are, but I just think that the Panthers, man. I feel like we've been talking about them for a little while here. They got the right pieces, and they like they got the grit guys down there on the fourth line. Speak about throwing able, being able to throw a fourth line out there. I'm a big Nolachari guy. I think he's going to add a lot to this organization. I, I just I like guys like that in the playoffs. And I mean Joel Quenville. I don't think he's going to have much to do with it. Like I said, but I think he's going to have the boys ready. He might not have the X's and O's going, but he's going to have those boys ready. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I'm going to go Florida in four. Is that what you had? You had four games yeah, as well? I'll give, yeah, I'll give the Islanders one because you never know. Matty Barzell might throw another five-point game out there and like he did in well, his rookie season all the time. And But we didn't talk about – we didn't even mention Barkov or Huberto when we covered the Panthers. And, like, if I have <laughs> I mean, one defensive forward who's going to go up there and blanket uh, Matt Barzell, it's probably Alex Barkov. For sure, it is, and uh, that's where the coaching comes in too. How often? Well, how how cool is it nice? that, that uh, Q doesn't even have Huberto on the same line mm-hmm. as Barkov? He's got Dadanov and Vitrano on either side, so now that is officially a checking line, and that loosens up Huberto to go play on a line with yeah, you guessed it, Mike Hoffman. Talk about offense coming through on that line. Um, I think that it's going to be pretty exciting series to cover either way, and. Um, the centerman. Who's the centerman on the second line there? He came in that surprising Eric trait. Halla. Exactly, with Trocek going the other way to mm. Carolina. And Halla's a good player, too. So I think, yeah, I think Florida, it's going to come down to Sergei Bobrovsky as it always comes down to the goalie in playoffs. But Parley, I cannot wait to get this going. That is the Eastern Conference predictions. On Thursday, we'll have our Western Conference preview. We'll have all three of us for that one. And then on Friday, our Sens Abroad, all about the former Senators, what we expect from them in this year's postseason. For Chris Parliament, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. And make sure you are tuned in to Locked On NHL. We've got great previews from all of our hosts across the National Hockey League, including me. Apparently, I am the Florida Panthers expert. I joined Mikey DiStefano on uh, the national show. That should be coming out this week. So keep an eye on for that and all the great insight from all of the Locked On podcast hosts from coast to coast.